0: You know who the best concert we ever saw together was? R.E.M. Din.
1: Din. That was the best. <laughs> In San Diego, I remember it so well.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the concert where Tim Gaskell fell asleep. We all made fun of him for falling asleep standing up at a punk rock concert. And but
0: then he I... woke up and the first thing he said was, what did he say, Jim?
2: That was the greatest show I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> oh, Yeah. Because you know why? Because here's the thing: you guys, you guys don't get this because you don't sleep at shows. But when you're <laughs> sleeping, hang on—the music goes in on a totally different level, and you experience it on the subconscious level, and you get so much more out of it. You will never understand.
0: Why. So why did you lose the news about the Zoom last week? What
2: happened? Um, you just quit all just you you were, you you're unintelligible. That's all.
0: So what you're telling me is everyone got a moment of silence except for the Zoom? Yes. That, that hardly seems fair.
2: Well, we can start this podcast with a moment of silence for the Zune if you want. I think that would only be appropriate.
1: Is, is this the
0: silence?
2: <laughs> God damn it, Tim.
0: Tim, show some respect. The Zoom is dead.
2: Long live the Zune.
0: Oh, wait, no, that's not how it
2: works, Big right? Good
1: job, Steve Jobs is dead. The Zune was never alive.
2: Tim, we'd yep. like to show some serious respect for the Zune, okay? <laughs> okay. Jesus fucking Christ. The wrong? J- no, you. You're wrong. You. Oh. No. Are- <laughs> I was being. I was. I we never know very... anymore,
0: Jim. Any Anytime you start swearing, there's a pretty good chance the whole podcast has been deleted.
2: Okay, so we now have a moment of silence for the Zoom. Again.
1: Can't, can't you edit in a moment of silence?
2: <laughs> it's 9:06 p.m. on Tuesday, October 11th, 2011, which means it is time for the Media leper Bebop. Tonight, Quickster takes over the world, and the U.S. Postal Service is saved. Then, Facebook finally releases its iPad app, and we wonder what took so long. And finally, we induct an album by The Hold Steady into the Loper Bebop Great Albums Hall of Fame. All that, and we get in trouble for making too many Hitler jokes last week. On Loper Bebop Episode 19, Walk Around and Drink. I'm Jim Connolly, and with me as always are Cop on the Edge, Tim Gaskell. Respect. And legendary blues guitarist, Kirk Biglione. Yeah. Gentlemen. It's me. How are you this fine evening? Been better. Why is that?
1: Because I'm tired, because I've had an exhausting two days. This is the first time I've sat down at the computer pretty much today. So what are we talking about? Did you just hear me say it? Yeah, but I'm being ironic. Kind uh, of like,
0: we're um, revisiting the issue that we talked about in episode 16, I think. Yes. And all you need to do is cut back to the um, tape and you'll see what we said then. And it stands today. Tim was right. So, well, well, play, Tim's, Tim, play
2: Tim's quote from that episode. Well, Tim's quote from that episode... So here's the thing. Um... It didn't record. What we talked about three weeks ago was Netflix's decision to spin off their mail order business or their internet mail business, uh, their physical DVD business, as something called Quickster.
0: And And we we, all agreed it was a great name.
2: We all agreed. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But we thought that we predicted, we all predicted that the internet backlash would be so ferocious that Netflix would backtrack before the end of October. We did. That's yeah. exactly
0: what Tim said. Play the tape. Play the tape. It's there. You'll hear it.
2: Tim, pretend like this is the tape and you're saying that. Um,
1: yeah, I don't think this Quickster thing is going to last. I think it'll be over by October. It's just. I'm, it's, with,
0: I'm like, with Tim. I think Tim's right.
1: <laughs> deeply unpopular. It's kind of a stupid name. I predict by November 1st, the domain name will be up for sale.
2: So, of course, we were right, and a couple days ago, I think it was yesterday, Netflix announced that, hey, remember that whole Quickster thing? We were just kidding. We're really not going to do Quickster after all. We're just going to put everything back under Netflix, and God knows what we're going to do next.
1: So basically what they did... Was they made the announcement instead of kind of doing any kind of market research or <clears throat> user testing or any kind of <clears throat> um, uh, anything? Thing, anything. What do you call it when you get focus groups? Without getting focus groups, whatever they didn't do. It. They obviously didn't do anything. The CEO of Netflix said, "Oh, I got this idea. Why don't we just do this? We'll come up with a silly name. One of those made-up but names." You know,
0: you know who he was emulating when he did that. I mean, everything everyone's been saying about Steve Jobs is that he never did focus groups or any of that sort of thing because people, people don't know what they want until you give it to them.
2: Yeah, but when Apple did decided to focus on multiple revenue streams, they didn't change the name of the whole of half the company. Yeah,
1: when they when they started doing TV shows and movies, they still called it iTunes. Um, <clears throat> no, so obviously they did no they did no research. They didn't figure out that it was deeply unpopular beforehand which is very strange because I would have thought that given the base that they had they really didn't need to do anything um, and something like that you, people don't like change people like you know <clears throat> they like an initia- issue initial change which is something like the launch of a Netflix which seems like a great idea they sign up it's a great idea they love the service they stay with it they they announce the streaming aspect—they sign up for that, they get their discs in the mail, and eventually they didn't even need that. They loved that, and then why, why change everything? I, it seemed to make sense to me if you're going to split it, which, you know, I thought was kind of a silly idea. But if you're going to split it, keep the same name. I, I got it. You know, one thing's, you know, you make your queue on the Netflix on your account page, and you get your DVD by mail, or you just scroll through the stuff as you're on your TV and pick something at, at a moment's notice, which oftentimes for me is the best way. But, um, you know, it seemed like they were on to a good thing and they've kind of just cut the head off the horse.
0: So I think the reason they did this had nothing to do with what you or I want, though, or anyone else for that matter. Which they're is reac- They're reacting to, you know, the the changing business. They're changing from a physical shipping disks out to millions of customers' business to a streaming business. And they, one, they have to push everyone from reliance on disks over to streaming to get to the point where a majority of their users are consuming video in that format. And two, they have to negotiate all these new deals that we shouldn't have to worry about except that the fallout is that we see that they're scrambling around trying to realign their business and what I said two or three weeks ago or whatever it was, was they were positioning the physical business as a separate business so they could sell it off if they needed to or spin it off into a startup or do whatever. Uh, from a business perspective, it totally made sense. But when you look at a consumer service perspective, it made no sense at all. I think they were overreacting to the changing business dynamics and the costs that are associated, the growing costs that are associated with licensing content for streaming online, and uh, they were probably a little bit overly aggressive in how they approached that. And I think they've learned their lesson.
2: So this is is on on the on the scale where New Coke is a ten. <laughs> How does this rank in terms of uh, uh, disasters for uh, dominant companies?
1: I think a six or a seven maybe because it's not like they launched it. So,
2: I think this kind of thing is the new normal
0: because it's not like there's any – I mean the business is changing so dramatically from the old way to the new way and there's not like there's any roadmap for making it, that kind of transition.
2: It was almost like a vapor company.
0: The studios are suddenly looking at the bottom dropping out of their DVD revenue. And one of the reasons is, you know, Netflix wants to buy as few DVDs as possible. That strengthens their leverage on the streaming business. Studios are looking at the revenue they were making on DVDs and trying to figure out how they can make that from streaming, so they're jacking the price up as much as possible. So this is going to be something that plays out, unfortunately, in public, I think, for the next several years and we're going to see more of this. Well, not here's, like a one-time deal.
1: Here's here's a question to you both. Right now, <clears throat> you can get a reasonably cheap deal for streaming for was it 10 12 bucks a month or whatever. Um, Jim, do you know what it is off the top of your head?
2: No. They don't allow me to they don't allow me to um, handle the money at my house.
1: Ah, which is a good, <laughs> good idea. good
2: good decision. <laughs> Rocks handles is, all the money. <laughs>
1: What if Netflix said, okay, we can get pretty much everything you want to see that's available, but you're going to have to pay 30 bucks a month. But we're going to have just about everything that's available, everything on DVD, you know.
2: Does that include first-run TV shows?
1: Well, here, hang on, let me get no.
2: Then you start yeah. comparing it to
0: cable, and that's less than you pay for cable, so suddenly it's a good right. deal again.
2: Exactly. But if it doesn't so, include first run TV shows,
1: but here hang on,
2: let me let me okay.
1: here what to me in a perfect world this is what would happen. Netflix would charge you 30 bucks, you'd have a hugely deep catalog that you could dip into and then Hulu or somebody would have a $20 service where you could watch all the current shows that are on the air by Hulu. So you don't have to worry about DVRing whatever, you can watch it via them, and you might there might even be a few commercials thrown in, so they've got the $20 plus, the, uh, plus some commercials, some commercial revenue, so they have a great revenue stream that all gets fed back to the studios, but we're kind of feeding through those, those two sources, it's kind of monopolistic in a way, but if that's what it came down to, I would be, I would be okay with that, paying 50 bucks a month, basically, for stuff that, you because know, I don't want any cable channels. I don't watch any anyway, so.
2: Tim, what? next January when the 49ers in the Super Bowl, how are you going to watch that?
1: At your house.
2: <laughs> but that's not the point. The point, I've taken this deal because I haven't thought about sporting events.
1: No, but that's no. when I, I'm going to get the digital over the air antenna so I can just watch stuff mm-hmm. on my local channels for free.
0: So oh. what, is the, what is the holy grail of video that we've been talking about for a while now? On demand. Right. Everything, a, demand. everything a la carte. A yeah. la carte programming. I think exactly. we're, on, we're on the road to a la carte programming, but to get to the point where ever, all of the different pieces fall in place, not the least of which is the studios realigning how they collect money and how much they collect from each source, uh, it's going to be a painful and bumpy ride. That's where we're headed, though, and at some point in the next decade, you'll be able to say, these are the things I want to watch, and I'm willing to pay for them as I get them, and I believe that the sum total of what I pay for all the things I'm going to be watching in a month will be less than what I would pay for Netflix plus
2: cable. So... And, and I agree with that, though it does kind of limit serendipity and it does kind of limit channel flipping, maybe probably not so much. But when it comes to sports, sports and news always seem to me to be the big step, big stopping points when it comes to just, oh, kill your cable. Because there are things that you just cannot get in real time, I mean, on 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 Hulu or Netflix or whatever. There will yeah, be real-time
0: streams that'll be on demand too. CNN, you can get CNN real time,
1: I think, and some, in some thing, like on your. It'll local. just be
0: a metered service you'll pay for by the minute. Oh, news is breaking. I must watch. Okay, I'll pay two dollars for the next hour.
1: Or I'll get it online for free.
2: Anything else on this?
1: Quickster Long may it. Um, live in our hearts and minds as a failed attempt at some point
0: in the next 10 years quickster is going to be a domain name that's like a different product that everyone is talking about and no one will remember this
1: it'll be like a cleaning product
2: yeah all right so last week i got the following voicemail hang on i'll play it for you guys it's from commissioner loper
1: oh
3: Jim, this is Media Loper Bebop Commissioner Gordon Loper. I am extremely concerned about all of the Hitler comments that you and Kirk Biglione and that guy Tim Gaskill made last week. Saying Hitler, 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 Hitler over and over again is not funny and is extremely offensive. You will stop these comments immediately or I am going to have to replace you with Jay Fung and Scott Oliver.
0: Ooh, wow. That really was Gordy. Yeah, exactly. I would expect him to put that call through one of his minions. He sounded angry. And you know what else? He sounded surprisingly Irish.
1: <laughs> I was going to say German.
2: I, I'm not really sure what to do here because I tried to call back the number the uh, the of the Media Library Bebop headquarters, you know, where our, our um, promo department is, but they wouldn't take my calls.
1: Have we been blacklisted?
2: It's African-American listed, Tim. Oh, sorry. Good God. First of all, we're in trouble for saying Hitler. Now you say blacklisted?
0: I'm so sorry. You know what I would do? Mm. I'm going to do a Netflix defense. I'm going to call him on it and say, okay, bring on Scott Oliver and, and, uh, and Jay Fong. See how that goes. Ooh. Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. See if they're up for it. Yeah.
2: Well, obviously there's no <laughs> we don't have a response from Gordy since he left a voicemail. Yeah. But um, okay, well t- tell him we talked about it and that
0: was our decision. Let's see what he says. Well, I'm sure he- Hitler Hitler Hitler. Let's make some more Hitler jokes. <laughs> Let's push him on it.
2: Well, you know, here's the thing. I don't know if you guys know this, but Hitler was a scratch golfer. What? Yeah, he was a great golfer. So, if he played with with, with with Tobias Fuque and, and Obama and, and Hank Williams Jr., he'd probably win.
1: Hmm. That's true. If he was a scratch golfer, he'd definitely win.
0: Why well, heard Hitler taught Obama to golf? <laughs> if I had known we were gonna do week two of Hitler, I would have actually worked on some Hitler material.
2: Oh, speaking of which, did you have your you have your five RM songs?
0: Hang on, I gotta get a refill. There's no agreement that I go back. – let's go back to the tape in here. Did I ever say that I was going to come up with five R.E.M. songs? I'm t- pretty sure I explained to you that I don't keep lists like that anymore. <laughs> and you're not going to get five R.E.M. songs out of I, me.
2: I, the way I have it is that you said, well, you can't come up with a list immediately, but
0: no, no, no. you need no. a couple of weeks to do it. No, that's – Okay. I'm sorry if I gave you that impression, Jim. Because that's, of what you said? That's that's, that's the new me. <laughs> <laughs> but...
1: <laughs> Is this what happens when well, you go to you Australia? you are not going to
0: get five REM songs in any particular order out of me. I don't participate in those, those kinds of activities anymore.
1: He makes it sound like it's um, something we did in our youth.
0: Well, I fine. just, I don't, you know, if, when you I think have time, about I know, having you have a time. list like that in my head, I'm astonished by it, but I could understand that some people do, and I'm fine with that, and then when I think about spending the time it would take to actually think about it, because, you know, if I actually would sit down to do something like that, I would take it seriously, and it would become a project, <laughs> and I just don't hmm. have the energy for that kind of project right now.
1: It, it is hard to come up with lists, I, I admit.
2: Really? I think they're easy.
1: Yeah, but you've always kept lists.
2: Yeah. When
0: I'm in the home in a few years, I'll have plenty of time for that sort of thing. So it's something for very young people or very old people to do. But right now, we're in the prime of life. We should be beyond those kinds of lists for a few years.
2: (laughs) Did you really need to take off for a second? Yeah, I'm going to get a refill. I'll be
1: back, too. Oh, it was just me. Uh, Let's see. You know what I did for lunch today? I went to a place called Big Wangs in North Hollywood. Now, normally, I would think a name like that—if you're running an establishment like that—and maybe you want to think about something like that. Think, consider your clientele. You've got—they had a dozen really good—and I had a Guinness at lunch as well, which goes down really nicely. I have to say, Guinness for lunch—you know, it's not just for breakfast anymore.
2: I'm back, Uh, by the way. Oh,
1: okay. Sorry. I was just talking to myself.
2: So what did the commissioner say? I haven't talked to him. Still? Well, uh, he he hasn't heard the podcast yet. It's not like this is a live feed. So we've just determined that nobody has anything really to say about Facebook for the iPad.
1: Except that it's out. Okay. And it's the best iPad Facebook app yet.
0: It's still on (laughs) TV?
1: What's that?
0: Facebook is still on TV? Yes. <laughs> is this like a spin-off or this is
2: No,
1: this Okay,
0: is... I'm gonna throw my thing in here and just get you guys just let's just go Rondori. A random segment.
1: A random segment. Go. Go
0: And we will do and we will do it randomly. We will do the random random segment. And this is a random segment. We'll do it live. Viacon Dios, Kirk. Okay, and I'll take the lead here. Okay. So, um, you may have heard that last night in Seattle, or no, happened over this weekend. This weekend in Seattle, Citizen Superhero Phoenix Jones was arrested by the Seattle police.
2: That's terrible.
0: You heard of Citizen Superhero Phoenix Jones? No. Nope. Okay, so he's this guy in Seattle who wears a superhero costume and goes out and fights crime.
2: And according to his
0: Wikipedia page, he has uh, stopped people from robbing cars. He's called the police to alert them to drivers that he believed to be intoxicated. And he's done some other things. He's got a special uniform that is like, it's bulletproof and stab resistant. And he's got a special taser baton. And uh, apparently he does go out and fight crime he actually goes into a a secret room in the back of a comic book store (laughs) to change into his costume every night before he goes out to fight crime. Appropriate. He ran into some problems this weekend when he came up to a group of kids that he believed were a gang randomly attacking people, according to his story. And he went up and started macing them. They maintain that they were just fooling around, dancing, having a good time, and some lunatic in a superhero costume came out of nowhere and started macing them.
2: Those bastards!
0: So the Seattle police were called, and they came in and they arrested Phoenix Jones and his sidekick, Ghost. Is that his dog? Also fights crime. It's a guy with this bandana around it. Anywhere else, he would look like a terrorist. But next to Phoenix Jones, he looks like a sidekick.
2: This is very much like the TV show The Tick.
0: It is mm. sort of like the TV show The Tick. So the Seattle police say they cannot give special consideration to someone just because he is wearing a superhero's costume. They have to treat him like everyone else.
2: Well, duh! Superman and Batman were both originally on the afoul of the law.
0: So, in the process of arresting him and putting him through the process, you know, the whole legal process, he's out on bail now. There's going to be a hearing this week. And um, the worst thing that has happened to him probably is he had to do interviews with the Seattle media after the fact. And he can't wear his mask because the police have <laughs> confiscated it. Oh. So, he has like a helmet and a makeshift ski mask. It's not the real Phoenix Jones, but he says he's Phoenix Jones and the police have his mask. And so there are so many angles on this that are interesting to me. And um, apparently there is a group now in the Pacific Northwest, uh, uh, actually a guild of 10 superheroes. It's spreading out. It's sort of like a franchise. There are other cities that have their own crime fighters that are all like, roughly aligned into some kind of Pacific Northwest Justice League.
2: <laughs> well, of all the places in the in the country that need a Justice League, the Pacific Northwest jumps to mind as the first. I want to know It seems to me that Batman had more than one costume and more than one cowl.
1: Ooh, how do you know that?
2: Because well, first of all, he was a million. He was a billionaire, right?
1: Well, I think he just had a dry clean.
2: Do you think Stately Wayne Manor had a closet with just one Batman costume?
1: Hmm. But it was made out of uh, like titanium.
2: It doesn't matter what it was made out of. He had enough money to buy more than one. This isn't like Iron Man, where it's like a special suit.
1: I just think he had it steam cleaned after every use.
2: So, first of all, I think Phoenix Jones' greatest crime. Not that he's committed any crimes, because obviously he's a superhero going after hipster douchebags in the middle of the cool part of Seattle. But his his biggest sin is not having more than one mask in case his original mask. Like, okay, if I have anything to say to any superheroes, it's this. Redundancy is your friend. This is true.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you need more like, than one costume. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen while you're fighting crime. It may yeah, be, but, though, that Phoenix Jones is working on a limited budget.
1: Falls into the wrong Not a billionaire so.
0: like like Bruce Wayne. He does not have the same sort of resources. He's willing to fight crime. He's doing a fairly good job of fighting crime. But when he has some mix-up, all of a sudden he has no extra masks. So maybe we need some kind of Phoenix Jones fundraiser.
2: A Kickstarter.
0: <laughs> A Kickstarter (laughs) so Phoenix Jones can get a redundant costume. Exactly. This is something we we should really do. (laughs) I mean, we talk about this podcast and how we're going to help people, but this is an instance where we could really help people by doing a Phoenix Jones Kickstarter so he could buy a redundant costume. So when he has issues like this, he's got something else to change into.
2: Kirk, um, just for the record, I've never talked about helping people with this podcast so you're hmm. ruling that out entirely? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that, that I don't believe it's part of the mission of this podcast to help people.
0: That was my understanding. Tim, <laughs> did you understand it that way too?
2: Uh, no. So maybe we should do a Kickstarter to buy Phoenix Jones uh, uh, a new costume. That could be our great cause, the Media Lipper Bebop cause.
1: So yeah, maybe <clears throat> we uh, redesigned it. That's fine.
2: No no. He
0: gets to design his own costume. We yeah, just want to raise the money so he can have another one. Tim yeah, you know, wait, you know typical- wait. we are not in the superhero costume design Tim. business. That is not what we're
2: yeah, tasked to do. What? Tim, if are you Hitler? Do no, you want um, to design his costume for him like Hitler?
1: just thinking Hollywood, you know, the people with the money, they have a little bit of input into what's going what's going down, you know. He's, Say look, I'm putting up fifty million for your film, but I want uh, I want my wife to be in it and I want to direct it and you know, it's that kind of thing. So
2: But this is just giving him money to buy his second costume so when he gets arrested he doesn't have to do a press conference with a makeshift non costume.
1: Yeah, but I just want to have a look at the design and the color scheme, see if it works. <laughs> That's all. If it doesn't I don't work think you know. can
0: put that kind those kind of terms on a Kickstarter, Tim. Okay, hang on. Kirk all all right, so the money's coming from then. the community.
1: One question. Is there a lightning bolt on his costume?
0: I don't think I saw a lightning bolt. No, then there you go. He needs a lightning bolt. He probably has a phoenix on his costume.
1: No, but you see, that's... Phoenix is like, you know, needs fire, and fire comes from lightning, and, you know.
2: Really, Tim? That's the only place fire comes from is lightning? Yep. That's where it came from originally. (laughs) How the Dinosaurs Got Fire, (laughs) Lightning,
0: I'm looking at the Rain City superhero movement, and uh, Phoenix Jones is the best dressed of the lot. So I think that if we do this Kickstarter, we should give Phoenix the choice of we either get him a redundant costume or we get better costumes for the other superheroes. Or
1: we get one costume for them all and whoever... Is going out that night gets to wear it.
2: <laughs> oh, what happens? Wait, wait, What happens if some of them are women and or, or or like some of them are like as tall as we are, but some have of them are, never, are short?
1: Have you never heard of the expression "one size fits all"?
2: So we're gonna get them all big giant spandex. <laughs> well, it, you can
1: you can unzip parts of it, but it should be like you know these bike riding schemes they have like in Amsterdam or. Some cities where you you borrow a bike and you ride it and then you leave it somewhere and somebody else borrows it from there. Yeah, they had that
0: in Melbourne. Yeah, so it's kind, <laughs> it of, it's rent, kind it's of superhero street. costume that's so available available to anyone who's inclined to fight crime tonight.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, you know what? You've won me over, Tim. It's it's all about the practicality. Well, Thanks, yeah, you know, when, when it comes to. To dressing up in a costume and fighting crime, really practicality is always, always your first concern. Yeah.
1: You just set up like little depots where you drop off your superhero costume. Then you have to have like a card or something that you swipe and then it gives you you know, it, it says, Oh yeah, you're 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 a phoenix. You can uh, you can you can have access to this costume and you take it and try it on. Tuck it in because you're too fat or too skinny.
2: Wait a second, you're you're, are you talking about giving superheroes ID cards?
0: Yeah, yes. retinal scans. Absolutely, superheroes need to register.
2: <sighs> Good god, we're back in Hitler territory again. So I think what we've taken away from this is A, Phoenix Jones is a true American hero, and B, we need to start a we need to do a Kickstarter to get him a redundant costume and or all the other Seattle superheroes a costume. Is that correct?
0: Exactly. Okay.
2: The, uh, the Rain Where City Superhero Facebook. Movement. I think this is a much better segment than Facebook for iPad.
1: Okay, I'll talk about Facebook for iPad.
2: Let's do this then. All right. So you want to lead it, Jim? Which,
0: uh, the, the Kickstarter? No, the Phoenix Jones thing.
1: What's the lead?
0: The segment. We'll do the segment instead of iPad.
2: Oh, okay. We just, um, did,
1: this, we just did the segment.
2: Wow, for once Tim is Kirk and Kirk is Tim, and I'm very confused. (laughs) I think there are two types of great bands. The first type is basically dominated by a singer-songwriter who prefers to work in a band format No matter how important the supporting players are, they're never as important as that guy. The second kind, which seems much more rare these days, was never all that big in America, lives off the tension between a guy who has something to say with his words and another guy who has something to say with his guitar. The Hold Steady are that second kind of band. What makes them great is the continual explosions caused by Craig Finn trying to fit all of his words within Tad Cooper's big-ass power chords. Which is why tonight, we're inducting the Hold Steady's third album, 2006's Boys and Girls in America, into the Middle Upper Bebop Great Albums Hall of Fame.
3: You lose the one feeling only Most not a clear, but tonight it's like as if you struck the station. They found I was out of focus I was kicking it with cameras The scratches on my back, they formed into a choir And out of chorus I was licks and hisses and complicated kisses Gideon's got a pipe made a Brindle's can gotta
2: with In the mid-2000s, the Hold Steady performed a minor miracle on me It made me realize that even in my 40s, it was still possible to fall in love with a new band. And in doing so, remind me all over again why I'm a music freak and will remain one until the day I die. After seeing the Hold Steady play with the drive-by truckers in 2008, I wrote this. I'm sure by now some of you are sick of hearing me rave about the Hold Steady. In the same way you were sick of hearing me rave about The Replacements or R.E.M. or The Clash or any other band that tells me those rock and roll lies directly to my soul. Tough. There was a moment when I saw them where it was like I'd never heard rock and roll before, ever. I was starting over. I was 15 in the discovery and the clash. I was 25 and the replacements were saving my life. I was not 35 and getting sick of the hassle of going to shows. And I sure as shit wasn't 45, knowing how much planning it took to just get to the show and how much it was going to take out of me the next
3: day. Can I walk around and drink some more? Can I walk around and drink some more?
2: So why do I love this record so much? It's got three things I love just about more than anything else. Big crunchy guitars, great sing-along hooks, and smart literate lyrics. I think that what I love most about it is that it sounds like those hugely ambitious 70s records I grew up on, filtered through the punk and indie rock that changed my life. Springsteen had made the river influenced by St. Joes drummer instead of 60s frat rock. It would sound like boys and girls in America
3: 900 on the fifth horse the sixth race I think I have a question
0: for you Jim okay? What makes you pick this album over Separation Sunday?
2: Um, <laughs> apples and oranges. It's the same reason I picked Murmur over Reckoning. I just love this slightly more than that one. one. I, I love Separation Sunday almost as much. But in a different way. <laughs> um, yeah, Separation Sunday is really more of, a, of a, a, a raw riff record. This is more of a song record if that makes yeah,
1: sense. totally.
0: And how do yeah. you feel those two compare to their other albums?
2: Well, I think those two are two of the five best albums of the entire decade, and everything else is um, almost ki- – Or I think Stay Positive is great, but not as great, and Almost Killed Me is a little bit less than those two. And then um, Heaven is Whenever mm-hmm. is the weakest of all their studio albums. Pretty really. weak. Yeah. yeah. I liked it a lot. Heaven you was it? Heaven is whenever. Uh, yeah. Hmm. I think the songs are great on Heaven is Whenever. I just think the production was production's just, weak. Yeah. Whereas whereas the production on Boys and Girls in America, see how I did that, is is so powerful and so punchy. It's really like there's all the there's the really crunchy rough hard guitar, but there's always either like a real piano or or like a really strong organ. Battling the guitar all the way through, and they, they mix Finn down more than any other record, which is actually kind of a good thing because it makes you strain to hear the words a little bit more. Let's
3: say you don't have a problem until you start to do it alone. Let's say you don't have a problem until you start bringing it home. Let's say I don't have a problem until you start sleeping alone. Guitar is a problem there's always other boys, and you can make them like you. There's always other boys, there's always other boys, There's
1: always, 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 always other boys, you can make them like you. Now, did, didn't the uh, keyboard player leave for the last album?
2: He was gone after uh, um, "Stay Positive." Yes.
1: Yeah, so I think they lost a big... That, that to me, was a big input right there, because, number one, he's a great uh, he's a great sideman at a show. He puts on, you know, his own little performance, and maybe he upstaged too much. I don't know. I don't know why he left, but uh, he was a great keyboard player, and he added uh, to their sound. So, I Kirk, think. you would go
2: with Separation Sunday? Probably as an
0: album, but I'm looking at all these albums, and I'm thinking that one thing I think we... All agree on is a best of hold steady, is like an awesome mixtape. Oh, yeah, I is, is, a, is amazing when you look at the best tracks across all of the albums, but uh, yeah, I'd go with separations. So.
2: so, a couple more things about this record. Uh, one of which is Craig Finn's words. Um, he's, I mean, he's a storyteller, he's not like one of those guys, confessional singer songwriters, he's really less involved with what he's talking about. He's not really so much about, oh, you know, I feel this about what happened to me last night. He's really more about, hey, that awesome thing happened last night. So like even the songs that start off seeming personal and usually end up seeming generational. And it works because he really is into what my old uh, fiction writer ta- or class told me about the telling detail, the specificity of the words, the people, and the situations. And they always... End up circling back to being something that's personal. That, like,
3: oh yeah, that
2: thing didn't happen to me, but something like it did. It
3: started recreational, We had a kind of medical, and it came on soft, and then it tightened up its tentacles. Now the bad boys scream and prevent so we agreed this world is mostly medical. Yes, sir.
1: Well, and one of the great things about him is he has a style unlike most. You know, instead of singing traditional verses, uh, oftentimes the verses themselves are kind of um, almost spoken, sung-spoken or whatever, or sung. Kind of he mixes it up really well. And then the choruses are killer kind of catchy choruses and... You know, the, the whole thing is tied together with some great musicianship and everything, but um, it's just the angle. He just comes at music from such a different angle and, and with a different angle with with his lyrics that um, it's kind of refreshing.
3: Always so. inconsolable, unhinged and uncontrollable, because we can't get as high as we got on that first night. He's
2: really kind of telling stories of a subculture, um, and and a lot of songwriters have done that. But it just seems like that that the fact that he's using the same people, in the same places all the time, just begins to make the the whole body of work, what Kirk was saying, the the mixtape of all the old Steady songs, um, loom large even more so than individual songs.
3: Boys and girls, Guys, with your heart soft eyes, you know, you're already shaken. Don't even speak to all those sequences. Well, they kiss this good white noise. Well, they kiss this good white noise.
2: So, given the title of the album to Jack Carolack, quote. I think Craig Finn is basically trying to link a half century of American youth together. And that's why he tells stories, because really the only way to do that is to tell stories. And so when he hits upon a good one, like Chips Ahoy or Chill Out Tent, it resonates not just through generations, but through the ages.
3: He quoted us some poetry. Tennyson and denim and sheepskin. He looked a lot like Izzy Stradlin. They started kissing when the nurses took off their IVs. Sexy but it was kinda creepy Round Mouse was fizzy with the cherry cola They had the privacy of bed sheets and all the other kids are bossy
2: Congratulations to the Hold Steady who joined R.E.M., Murmur, The Kinks, Arthur, and Brian Eno taking Tiger Mountain by strategy as a loper Bebop, great album.
1: We should send them something.
2: Oh, well, we'll ask them to be part of our Kickstarter.
3: <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> they can save Phoenix Jones and maybe, Jim, you could send them one of your fantasy baseball trophies. Exactly. Uh, hey,
2: wait a second. I earn those trophies.
0: One well, that you're saying they haven't earned it? Um, what do you say? I thought you liked them.
2: I'll, you know what? I'll give them the old miner guy. How's that?
0: That's exactly the one I had in mind. <laughs>
3: Sir. Sure. Just one more
2: thing. One more thing, Tim.
1: My one more thing is Facebook for the iPad came out yesterday or Monday. Is that the same thing? That's yes. the same thing, isn't it? Yesterday is Monday. Tells you where my head's at. Anyway, finally after almost 2 years there's a Facebook app for the iPad, so you don't have to use things like Friendly and Friendly Plus and and all these other, <coughs> there are about three or four apps for the iPad, which probably will are all out of business as of last night because they finally released it. It's still kind of early days. It looks great. It looks It's the best of the apps, but it's not nearly as functional as the website. You can do a lot of stuff. You can't do everything, but for the top-line stuff, it's fine.
2: Awesome. One more thing, Kirk.
0: Free Phoenix Jones. The man is innocent. He has committed no crime. And donate to his Kickstarter.
2: One more thing. Of course, the most tragic one of the most tragic aspects of the recent death of Steve Jobs was that he was only in his fifties and seemingly had many more years of left of innovation. That's not a thing that anybody is going to say about Al Davis. Another Bay Area innovator and all-around badass who died this last Sunday at the age of 82. With the exception of a stint as AFL commissioner in 1966, Davis had been with the Oakland Raiders for nearly 50 years and had been running it as a dictatorship for nearly 40 years. From the late 60s through the early 80s, the Raiders were a powerhouse, and Al Davis was generally regarded as one of the greatest football minds around, winning three Super Bowls and numerous conference and divisional championships. But in the past quarter century, things changed. The Raiders, who had always been somewhat outlaw in image, became explicitly associated with gang violence. And worse, the fortunes of the team on the field became uneven at best. After moving to L.A. in the early 80s, he moved the franchise back to Oakland in the mid-90s and had the city add the infamous Mount Davis to the Coliseum, ruining the stadium for baseball forever, as Kirk I'm sure knows, and generally became a punchline. So it's interesting to to wonder what history will make of Al Davis. Will he be remembered as the mover and shaker of his early days or the scary old man he ended up becoming? I guess we'll find out, you know, someday in the future. Kirk, as an A's fan, Mountain Davis, best thing ever?
0: It was actually a nice stadium for baseball before Mountain Davis. It was a perfectly acceptable place to play baseball. The combination of Mountain Davis and having to share the stadium with football is just, it's, it's bad for a baseball team. They can't attract free agents because no one wants to play there. Um, but the weird thing is that Al Davis was sort of the Charles
2: Finley of football. And that does it for Media Loper Bebop episode 19, Walk Around and Drink. Thanks to my co-host Tim Gaskell. Thank you. And Kirk Biglioni. Free Phoenix Jones. At Media Lipper Bebop, we strive to be the best of all the Bebops. On behalf of Kirk and Tim, I'm your host Jim McConnelly, and we'll catch you next week. Same Bebop time, same Bebop channel.